0: Happy New Year, everyone. If you're suffering from the my-spouse-totally-phoned-in-Christmas blues, Volkswagen hey, has the you, remedy. You
1: did a great job for Christmas this year.
0: I know I did. Oh. It's called the Tiguan. Heated seats, all-wheel drive, intelligent crash response system, post-collision braking are all great features going into the snowy season. And the comfort is enough to fill the cold emptiness of a lean Christmas. I
1: thought you wanted those khakis.
0: Go check it out, Natalie, at www. <laughs> dot Volkswagen of Boise.com. Okay. Volkswagen engineered to soothe hurt feelings. This is the Boise bubble podcast where we talk all things treasure Valley. We're your hosts, Shane and Natalie Plummer. Welcome back to the conversation.
1: All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Boise bubble podcast and happy 2022. Happy, happy new year. Happy new year to you. You know, it's so funny. We've been doing this now since March, And I like how it's getting pretty usual to just see you across the room, like with your headphones on and having a conversation this way. way. It was kind of weird at the beginning, but it's like pretty pretty natural. Oh,
0: for sure in the beginning, I think that there was a little bit of awkwardness of seeing each other in a new circumstance, but by this time, I'm totally just, I'm I'm nonplussed at seeing you naked in a sombrero on that couch.
1: <laughs> it's a little itchy up here, though. It's it
0: feels like a weird choice given the weather, but you whatever know, gets your want, creative juices flowing.
1: <laughs> I don't want the weather to define me or to direct me or, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't live by the weather.
1: <laughs> uh, your assless chaps are cute. Yeah. But,
0: you know. I, I feel like that's the... The uh, position of most teenagers. I'm not going to let cold dictate <laughs> I what know. I wear.
1: I was at this store today thinking, I wish I could just buy a coat that my daughter would actually wear. But there's apparently coats aren't cool, so no coat will do.
0: If if we're honest, though, I think that our generation suffered from the same thing. I totally didn't want to wear a coat when I was a kid. It wasn't fashionable to wear the things that your parents wanted you to wear. Maybe. You lived in
1: Arkansas, though. I lived in Washington. There was no choice.
0: uh, True. And maybe fashion wasn't as cool back then as it is now. Like, today, I feel like there's no excuse. Like, the things that our kids are wearing are pretty fashionable in general.
1: What? Are you smoking? No, they're... They look... Okay.
0: (laughs) Are you saying that the options available for kids are not espoused by kids
1: the options are readily available they're just choosing the most random selection i mean we were we had our kids where were we uh this weekend and i was like it looks like our kids are going to a costume party my oldest daughter looked uh i don't know i mean kind of like she was like cool homeless singer and then our son looked like he was going to a beatneck poetry convention.
0: Oh, they're working hard to bring grunge 90s back. Mm-hmm. Working so hard. Our daughter is p- pure Seattle. Yeah. Our boy looks pure Portland. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, it's weird. And then we're just wearing like, well, you know, I'm, I'm naked in a sombrero. But um, anyway, yeah, it's, it's funny. Though when I was in the, ni- you know, in the 90s, I, I didn't like wearing uh, pants. I wasn't going to be told I had mm-hmm. to wear pants. So we wore men's boxers as pants all the time. And I wore pajama bottoms all the time. Mm. Like it was, I can see now my parents probably, they handled it pretty well. Mm. Anywho. Uh, What are we doing here? So, (laughs) so today we are talking just the two of us because we wrote an article for the Boise Lifestyle Magazine that just came out on the first day of January. And we were, asked to talk a little bit about resolutions and we asked if we could switch that around a little bit and instead of talking about resolutions we talked about um how would, what would you call reevaluating.
0: Yeah. Uh, I would definitely say that the past 2 years are going through the pandemic and uh, everybody has dealt with some serious and significant lifestyle changes uh as a result of everything surrounding COVID and um and regulations, and policies, and social distancing. All these things have had real impacts on, man, every facet of our lives. It sounds sounds so cliche to say it, but we were writing this article and thinking, oh man, this has changed people's jobs. It's changed their family relationships. It's changed uh, their personal health, their mental health. I mean, you name it, it's been affected in a in a way that you can articulate. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, in a way that it was surprising how easy it was to articulate because in, in fashion, that how how we tend to work sometimes, is that we actually, it was two hours before the deadline of this article and we hadn't done this yet because we have uh, full-time jobs and a podcast and kids. And we had a basic idea of how we wanted to write it. Um, and I went in and wrote for half an hour. You went in, re revised a little bit for half an hour, and it was done. And what I liked about it was as I read it, it was it was like everything we had learned um, as a general summary of the two years was just right there. Um, and people have been responding really well to the article, basically talking about that I guess we can summarize it a little bit and why why we wanted to talk about it more because we have a very limited amount of space when we're writing, and we couldn't write at all about our personal, lessons um that we experienced and so we wanted to kind of go on just a little further um as i'm seeing the engagement from the article on um on my pages i thought well let's let's talk about it here um
0: writing articles has really made me come full circle i remember like uh when we were in high school man a 500 word essay was like pulling teeth to get 500 (laughs) words oh my gosh and now i think how do you say anything how do you even have an intro less than 500 words? Maybe I just need to get more efficient with my words, but it's hard to boil something down. And it definitely didn't leave a lot of room for us to be specific or personal. I think that we had to generalize and speak from a very – Um, ubiquitous standpoint, what everybody is probably thinking these days, or at least definitely the themes of what you heard on social media and what we've heard from our families and friends, you definitely hear some themes of how people are approaching uh, the lessons that they've learned going through the pandemic.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think when I look back at what we've, what we wrote was so much of what we've just been talking about so much in the last six months, because you and I really like to, I think, figure out why we're feeling things, and we've had some enormous changes in the last year. I think the last year's probably been the biggest ch- transitional year we've had um, in a really long time. And so we we like to figure, out, well, why is that? And um, and we're seeing these people around us and around our families and in the Treasure Valley of people really changing the trajectories. But but um, more than that, they're they're questioning. I guess I would say they—they're questioning the status quo. The—they're questioning this idea of what's always been put in front of them as how to live, how to work, how to believe, how to have relationships, and it's as though for the first time we're—we're we're seeing that we actually have a lot more um, choice in that, um, and I think that's what we've personally felt and what we're seeing around.
0: I think that it's been a painful process. And anytime that there's pain or constraints imposed upon us, I think that it, that we're forced to make choices. We're force, forced to reevaluate our lives and how we run them to see how we can get, can get more out of them given the new constraints. Mm-hmm. How do we spend our time better? Uh, what can I cut out to make more time for the things that are important for me? What are the things in my life that are not... Um, making me feel better or that are making me feel worse. I think that pain forces us to ask some of these questions that normally we just, I, I don't know, drift through life in a complacent manner without really looking too hard at things. And, you know, status quo is okay, but when the status quo becomes harder, I think that we're more willing to ask and evaluate and question.
1: Yeah. I think uncertainty in general is such an uncomfortable uh, feeling for for people and we've been forced into it for so long, and we're forced to see that maybe the entities that we trusted at one point we don't trust. How does that apply to other entities we've always trusted? And it's just, uh, I think, caused a lot of questioning, and uh, and that can be frightening. And I think we're seeing some some shifts, not all positive, but some positive. Um, but one thing we wanted to do um, was we've we've found a lot of value as a partnership, um, really analyzing the specific lessons that we've learned uh, during the last two years. And there's something really valuable, I think, about articulating that and figuring it out. Um, and so we thought maybe we could do that together, um, kind of on our own. We've we've thought of some of the, the lessons that we've learned, and, and we wanted to kind of talk about that And maybe ask each other some questions about that. That's just kind of how we do things on our own anyway. So we thought, well, what if we did it on the podcast and see how that turned out?
0: Yeah, personally, I'm not one to sit in pain for very long. Like, I want to change things. And I'm a person that's driven to action. And even if it's small action, I'm a believer that there are things that we can do or or that I can do in my life to make my situation better. So um, if I find myself being too comfortable with discomfort, I... I don't know, it's just my nature to start a- asking why is that and what can I do to make my situation better. And so I think learning from these lessons and to make action items for this next year, I think was a very, it, it, it was an awesome experience for me to mm-hmm. be able to really put it into words. So uh, let's, let's maybe share a couple of these. I'm, I'm curious from your experience, and your experience is different than mine, but mm-hmm. what are some of the lessons that you learned? What's one thing that you learned let's just say in this past year.
1: Okay. And what we had talked about is is lessons, that instead of resolutions this year, it was putting lessons into um, into effect, that we take what we've learned and we make them part of us. And so that's kind of how I structured my lessons. I don't know if that's how you structured mine or yours. Um, one thing I learned um, or that I'm, I'm really trying to focus more on is that, success doesn't have to be visible to be very valuable. And that's just something on my end in that I have a job that's extremely visible. And so when I have successes, like it, it can be exciting when it's um, when it is visible. I mean, that works for, for what I do in general. Um, so it makes me, I, I noticed that I would kind of push less visible success aside um, and that was, that was really problematic for me when I was looking at my overall balance.
0: So you were focusing more on the things that you or other people could see.
1: Yeah, because it seemed, it, it seemed more relevant. It seemed, uh, more valuable. Um,
0: are you talking specifically about social media?
1: Well, social media, obviously, but like we, I mean, I had a lot of successes this year that what that were visible and I when I look back to my what was I successful and this is what I I pinpoint like we started a podcast and it's done really well I created a website um there's just things that that those were the things that I'm like if I get those done I'll feel good but what I realize is that those are fine but it's the the one the successes that I didn't hit or I guess I say more failures I'm like those are those are more poignant those are um The moments I didn't spend with my kids that I think they maybe needed me. Um, The, I have a hard time, I think, focusing on health things that maybe, like, I mean, it's easier to focus on things that are going to make me look better than maybe just make me feel better. Um, So I'm trying to balance that.
0: Mm. So what are you going to turn that in? What action are you going to turn that into this year? Have you thought about Mm, a different approach or specific things you're going to do.
1: Yeah, I'm going to work a lot less. <laughs> for one, um, one of the problems with my job is that there's so many opportunities and they're and they're very exciting. And so um, I just have to say no a lot more and realize that um, the the biggest priorities and the biz, biggest the biggest successes that I want have to be prioritized and actually scheduled in, um, and then everything else has to go around it because time is currency and. Um, that, uh, I'm running short on that. Mm. So, and also, you know, the social media, um, the, the thing about it is that it, it lulls you into this idea that public success means something that honestly doesn't, because even if you do make a public success, no one thinks about it more than five minutes after it's done. But when you're, Uh, And so you're always striving for it. You always have to keep up with engagement and you always have to be creating something new and something powerful. And I still do that and I still want to do that. But um, the people who the successes, when you ignore priorities like time with your family and health and rest, um, that stuff doesn't forget that stuff holds on and you're feeling real ramifications and so, focusing on successes of people who don't really care, love you—that's it's—you have to see that as more of a job and not your life mission. I would say.
0: Yeah. So the half life of social media success is extremely short.
1: Sure. So not that you—I sh- mean, it's my job, so it's not like I'm gonna not gonna put all into it, but it's it's not worth, um, it's not worth taking up as much brain space as it has for. A couple of years.
0: I will say that, um, in our personal life, you, you have, um, become a lot more intentional about not self-identifying with the thing, with your work successes. Mm-hmm. Like there are, there is some of your own personal happiness that comes from that, but I think that you're doing a lot better at trying to find joy in those, those things that are not mm-hmm. tied to something that's so, um, fleeting, temporary. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, I, that was one of my goals for last year. And, uh, um, I think I, I, it's a slow thing, but I think it's it's moving in that direction. And you know, I pulled out of the um, the Eighth Street studio um, that was like the coolest thing that's ever been. I was, and I remember you were just like, "What are you talking about?" That's the co- the best opportunity. And if you if you haven't heard this from another podcast, we had a space on Eighth Street, right on Restaurant Row, to open um, a Boise Bubble Podcast Studio, and it was like something just overcame me when we were just about to get started, that just was like, that you don't have the capacity to do this without completely pushing all of the most important things away. And, um, I was
0: incredibly pr- proud of you when you made that decision. Cause <laughs> I remember when you first started talking about it, you were very, don't take this the wrong way. You were very manic, but you're able to use that manic energy to get a ton of stuff done. And I thought, yeah, she'll be able to pull this thing off. Um, it's going to take a ton of work, but she can do it. And after all the work and front-end investment, when you independently decided to pull back from that, I thought, wow, what uh, concentrated effort to do something that you thought was a better idea and not do something. Like for you to choose to not pursue an idea <laughs> is a huge effort.
1: Yeah, it was hard. It was uh, yeah, It was very uncomfortable. Um, but the second that I made that decision and I vocalized it to you and then um, uh, it was the the relief was so profound and I, it was a great opportunity, but at what cost? And, yeah. you know, so, yeah, so I was, I was glad that happened, but so, okay. So there was one of mine. Mm. All right. I'd love to hear one of yours.
0: Man, uh, going off of that, I could go in a couple of different directions. I think... Focusing on, or, all right, so going on the theme of focusing on these less visible things, the past year has been, I guess, truly the past two years, I have gained a much bigger appreciation for my network of close personal friends. Mm-hmm. Um In Gallup strength speech, one of my talents or one of my themes is relator. Mm-hmm. And relators tend to have a very a uh, small close circle of people like uh, I don't like to get vulnerable or close with a lot of people because my currency to open up like that I'm kind of selective with who I do that with and so I've always had just a handful of, of, of friends but uh, uh, sorry a handful of very close friends um, but I have noticed this past year that network of people hugely paid off Mm -hmm. to be able to have our close friends, our family close by to lean on. And especially as we started to go through some of our own personal struggles to have people in relationships ready that we'd been cultivating, that I'd been cultivating. uh, I had a much larger appreciation for those close personal relationships. And so going forward, like my action item is to reinvest in those relationships that are important to me and to start growing it. In the past, I haven't I don't want, want, want to say that I've been socially lazy, but I've been very content with a small group, mm-hmm. but I love my small group. But it's been amazing to add more people to it. And I found some amazing friends, close friends, that uh, just in the past two years that I now put on my tear cake. I visualize like I've got a tear cake at the very top. It's a small layer or like, level. Like a pretty wedding cake? Like a pretty wedding cake. Okay. And on the very top, there's only enough room for a couple of people. Like and me then, and
1: you, because it's a wedding cake. And it's like, we're the couple Truly, the
0: that's what it has been for a long time. Honestly, it has been for years. us. <laughs> it
1: was us. We're like we don't Yeah, we'll my top,
0: my, my top level was very small, mm-hmm. but I think that to sum it up, I've noticed that my top layer is not as small as I thought that it was. It's got a lot more room on it. And so yeah. I'm going to uh, invest in more personal relationships and building those.
1: I love that. And I, it, it has been really fun for me to watch because when you started getting actually excited about having people together, like we've had, we had two parties we had threw two parties together,
0: and we're not party throwing people. No, we are
1: now apparently. Like they they were kick ass parties too, and we were like, well, we just have friends we want to see and invest in, and um, more than just you know, we always have our two best friends, and and then my sister and her brother, and like that's that's our who we hang out with, and we're like, let's.
0: We had this Christmas party, and I'm not bragging about our party, but you it was it was cool. It was a full house, and I had the best time typically in the past, like those kind of social events would kind of shut me down and I would kind of dread it. I'd see it as work and, Oh, I got to put my game face on and get excited about going and socializing. Uh, and, but by the end of the, the night, I'd always end up having a good time. But this time from the beginning, I was excited and it was a lot of fun. And to be able to host in our home and to look around at one point we were sitting in the backyard. Um, it was cold, but we had the Like three fire pits going crazy. (laughs) Who are we to have three fire pits? We're a
1: little extra when it comes to parties. Yeah,
0: we did borrow a couple. But we're all sitting in this circle and having this awesome conversation about the best and worst Christmas gifts that we we ever had. (laughs) And people shared the most funny and vulnerable stories. Mm -hmm. It was so much fun. But there was a point when I was just looking around at this huge circle and I thought, I am so lucky to have so many people in my home sharing personal parts of them and me being able to share personal parts of me too. It was great.
1: Yeah, it was really fun. It was fun because we had uh, people also that we we met just through the podcast, and we we're like, we, it's fun to be able to sit down with um with local people and and talk in this way because, uh, we realize there are some really cool people we want to be friends with, and yeah, so that's been really delightful for me as well because I think I always wanted to be a little more social, but
0: yeah. So, what's another lesson that you learned?
1: Um. So I I think that kind of ties into a little bit about – how do I say this? I really think – I promote as much as I can on social media about loving everyone around us um, to try to find what's valuable in them and to see beyond um, belief structures or political parties or whatever. Um, And – I also realize how important it is to be very selective with your tribe when that the people who you do bring close to you, um, are people that you, you are safe to be vulnerable with that, uh, in, again, in my position, I'm around, I, I speak to thousands of people and I interact with thousands of people, but that doesn't mean that I bring thousands of people into my story. This year has been one of the hardest of our lives and I don't talk about almost any of it. Um, with uh, publicly. Um, I did talk about my, um, disease that I deal with, with lymphedema, which was very, that was a uh, huge step. That was to huge for me. So yeah, but open. I did that because I honestly would have just died for somebody to, to give me the information about uh, something I'd been struggling with. I wish somebody else had. So, but most of the stuff we don't talk about, but that doesn't mean I don't share it. I just share it with people who I know it's safe with. And, um, and that has made me feel very secure. And so yeah.
0: you've shared some experiences about interactions that you've had with other people that have had an expectation on you to be more open and more giving of yourself and more authentic and almost laying it as your uh, at your feet as a fault that you mm-hmm. haven't done more. Oh, yeah. Just that you haven't been more authentic. And this most recent example was it was crazy to me for this person to get so upset with you for mm-hmm not vocalizing a position that you had on something or not uh, speaking your heart about um, everything that you believed. And I found it very odd because, number one, we are not, for better or for worse, we're not in an environment socially where we can do that with people. We're in such a cancel culture where people only listen to you if the, you're saying something that they already agree with, it's not safe to share anything that might be different than what they believe. Mm-hmm. And yet they still hold the expectation for you to share your position and, oh, by the way, I expect your pos- position to be the same as mine. And they get angry if you're not. And so the safe route is just to keep it to yourself. Mm-hmm. But this idea that you don't owe anybody anything yeah. um, when you're working in your position, I think is important to point, to point out. Yeah,
1: for sure. I mean there's 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 words that are thrown around all the time like authenticity and um vulnerability um and while i do think it's very important to be i guess authentic to who you are uh, we don't owe all of ourselves to anyone um and i i feel like that's a that's something that maybe younger influencers struggle with more is that they feel like everything i feel must be made public or it doesn't count um there's stuff that it's like, that's just mine. And, and I don't, I'm not going to share the most precious parts of me because, um, again, people are just scrolling through their, uh, screens on the, at the grocery store. And like, then they're forgetting that that's, it's not worth putting some of those things out. And I will put some things out. I I'll put the things out that I really, I, I stand for, but then there's some things that I'm just not, I'm, I'm not a black and white person, and I and I am not a black and white person on almost anything. So anything that I'm going to talk about um, that's of a very serious nature is probably going to make people angry.
0: It's a weird generational switch, I think, to see how different it was than uh, when we were growing up and probably our parents' generation. I almost feel like when we were younger... Man, I'm going to sound like an old man. Anytime that you say that, I felt like when I was younger. Mm -hmm. But I felt like when we were younger.
1: Our son just said, you know, when I was younger.
0: (laughs) Oh, brother. (laughs) No, but I feel like there was, like, it was the baseline expectation is that you didn't share everything. Mm -hmm. Like, you kept... You kept most of your personal stuff to yourself, and that stuff came out in time and under specific circumstances of trust when you could build trust. But it was almost, you almost had to earn the right to share more personal things about yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you started a little bit more closed and you opened as you built trust. But these days, that's not the case at all. It's almost like the expectation is oh, no, you should expect to get every single part of me out of the gate. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I don't want to be close-minded, but I don't want every single part of you. Like, you're a lot to deal with. Me? No, I'm just <laughs> saying you in general. Whoever you are that's speaking to me, you're a freaking lot to deal with. And, I, and I'm and i sure that you're an amazing person, but, man, can you give it to me in baby bites? Mm-hmm. Ease me into you instead of just expecting me to know how to manage every single part of you. That doesn't feel like, an, like a realistic expectation.
1: Well, we live in a generation of also um, people will take the thing they believe in most, or the thing that they advocate for. And I think people have forgotten that when you when you yell something all the time, no one listens anymore. You, They can't. They can't take it. It's too much. So uh, I feel like in the last few years people have decided on something that, not everybody, but many people have said, okay, this is the thing that is the most important thing to me, and I will not stop talking about it. Well, the problem with that is when you're yelling at someone all the time, they are going to disconnect, and so you've lost your your voice. And there's something to genuinely listening and learning. And then, as you learn something, to put that out there in a kind way. That's uh, you know very I, you know I'm very uncomfortable. The zealots, the whole just yelling into the crowd, uh, running into <laughs> the, the the enemy approaching you. Um, that idea um, doesn't have it doesn't seem to be causing much uh, progression. Um, I think when we listen more and we speak when it seems like a really really valuable thing to say, then we we capture people's um, attention and that's not something social media works with because you're trying to keep up with engagement, you're trying to stay relevant, you're trying to be noticed and and so. Um, I know that for me personally on social media, I don't go on Facebook at all um, because my relatives fight all the time about politics. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm not I'm tired and I'd love to hear what's going on in your life, but I don't have the time to sift through it. And then on Instagram, on my personal account, I think I've muted everyone that um, isn't like a close personal friend because it's just I don't have the time.
0: The struggle that I have with zealots is I feel like zealots, they have a hard time making space in their mind that the things that they're zealots about might not be the most important thing to everybody. Mm -hmm. It is super important to them, but there's no room to believe that it's not important to other people or that it could be less important to other people. And when you believe so deeply that this topic that you're, that you've chosen to plant your flag on is the most important thing. You just drown you isolate so many other people and you make mm-hmm. it so that they don't want to listen to you because there's no open-mindedness to hear another position. Mm-hmm. So whatever the topic is, I mean pick it and then pick its antithesis. It's uh, on either side zealots are just hard to deal with. And you can
1: be passionate without being a zealot. It's I mean it's amazing to be passionate, but what I found with zealots is they do get very angry if you don't if you don't follow in that same vain. I mean, I have a few things that I plant my flag on more personally than anything, but I'll find opportunity to bring that up. But um, I'm not a zealot about it. It's just the things I find important, but I don't expect anyone else to see them as as important as I do.
0: It's a weird psychological thing with advice, right? Like mm-hmm. anytime that you volunteer advice, there's a psychological thing that happens in people's mind that, that they immediately discount it. Mm-hmm. They don't want to hear it um and i don't know why it is that we're wired like that but advice that's given after it's been asked for mm-hmm. is much more easily adopted and uh, retained too so i feel like standing on a position or uh, whatever this is when you're giving it out there without people asking for it mm-hmm. you're you're triggering this psychological mechanism that people just shut down they can't hear you mm-hmm. That's and, why I
1: like consulting rather than just meeting someone for coffee. It's like, pay me to consult you because you'll take this much more seriously than you're just asking yeah. some advice. Or-, or
0: or coaching. Like the number, I mean, one of the top five rules of coaching is you don't give advice and you don't even really even give recommendations. You ask questions and, and you only give recommendations or, or, or advice only when they've asked for it specifically. And then you got to be super selective about it, but you got to be really careful. But it's more likely to be followed or adhered to if it's given under those circumstances. I really hate it when
1: you're coaching me because, well, in the beginning, I hated it all the time because I'm like, you learn, you were learning all these great coaching skills, and I was like, it was very different from what you'd been doing before. I'm like, stop coaching me. But now, I, it, you've taken those, those responses that I've had, and you've used them, and now I can f- see that you're slowly you're coaching me, but then, but I appreciate it and. And our conversations have gotten so much better because you're not just giving me advice. Sometimes I'll be like, just tell me what you think. Stop asking me questions. But
0: Oh, absolutely. I will not tell you what I think unless you ask.
1: Yeah. But sometimes I'm I want you to. And and that's been an interesting thing. Then you can uh, ask for it. And yeah. if you
0: ask for it, I'm sure that I'll have oh. an opinion on it. <laughs> okay. But until then, I'm saving myself a ton of headache and keeping it to myself.
1: Okay. All right. I want to know one of your lessons.
0: Um one of the, the one of the things that i've noticed i think that with the pressure of the pandemic to focus on so many different areas like the pain points were everywhere it was physical health. You couldn't get out to a gym. You mm-hmm. had to spend more time to get outside and to be active. With work, you had to work harder to make sure that you weren't fired or to make sure that your job didn't go um, obsolete. With...
1: Or you're compensating that you had to do the job of like six people because oh, yeah. they weren't there anymore. So that's
0: there's that pressure point. Um, picking up more slack at church or uh, having to give more time to your kids to help them deal with their issues. I've noticed that I was just spread way too thin. Mm -hmm. And I know that there are times where we have to be spread thin to get things done. But now that we're kind of acclimating to what's going on here, um, I've noticed, well, my lesson is that fulfillment requires me to be very selective in the things that I set as goals Mm -hmm. and the things upon which I set my standard to judge myself. Like I need to be very careful and cautious about the things I pick to to be goals. Mm Mm-hmm. Or to say, hey, I'm gonna be happy with myself if I can achieve these things. That list has become a lot more narrow. Yeah. Like it used to be very broad. Like I had to be successful in so many different areas of my life in order for me in my own mind to attribute success. But now I have become, or that selection of things have, be, have become a lot more narrow.
1: What's gone away?
0: So now, like when I do my goal planning, mm-hmm. I've narrowed, I've started. With areas of focus, mm-hmm. like what are the what are the primary parts of my life that I have to give attention to in order for me to feel successful? Uh, like marriage, my relationship with you—that's one area. And so I'll set a goal this year, or maybe two goals, focused on that. Really, what are those goals? Oh, you you want to know? Yeah, do specifics? you have them? I t- totally do. Oh,
1: that's awesome. If you guys. Should- I should post a picture of when it's done of your vision board. Shane is very passionate about vision boards and making sure that they're they're good and they will be printed. Listen, you're going to dump on my vision board, but I will say that the first
0: year that I did a vision board, I admit it sounded kind of hokey and it sounded it sounded like crafts. It sounded like something that crafters do. Well, you weren't no offense to crafters, but I am not a crafter, and so that just wasn't my world. And like, I'm not going to snip. Out things and make a collage, but that's exactly what I did, uh-huh. and I got more done that year. And when I looked back at the end of the year and I accounted for what I had accomplished, I got a lot of stuff done. Mm-hmm. I set like I made this collage on my phone, it
1: was super pretty, and I
0: made it my phone background, <laughs> and I kept it there for the entire year, so that every time I picked up my phone, I had the images that represented my goals. I liked and,
1: the guy who was doing lunges. I remember yeah. always looking at that guy and thinking. Well, this is random, but I saw it so many times.
0: He was totally fit, and that was yeah. one of my goals: was to get fit so that I could get up into uh, mm-hmm. up into the mountains. And that year, I got up into into the mountains, and I got some things done. Yeah, you did. It was great. So anyway, you asked about my okay. So marriage let's hear goals. your marriage goals. Number one, I want to be more proactive about planning dates, like. With what you do, there is no end to things that we could go out and do. Uh, There's always a new restaurant opening up. There's always something else going on that we have to go and see. That could be an excuse for a date. But I want to be more proactive about setting the date and planning it. I think that I've become a little bit lazy in that. And I want more of our dates to be activity-based versus uh, food-based. And especially with you eating keto – uh, that limits the number of restaurants that that we can choose from. So mm-hmm. I think all the more importance to have activity based dates as opposed to food.
1: And why do you think that will be beneficial?
0: Number one, because I feel like I owe it to our relationship to be more actively involved and take ownership in the things that we do together to get closer.
1: You initiate sex quite a bit.
0: I feel like I'm pretty good about that. <laughs> so that's good. And for you, that's a high value. That's that a, is a
1: really high value. That,
0: that currency has a ton of value. Yeah. But I also know that the other thing that's your highest value is time, uh-huh. quality time. And so that's something I, I can make a deposit in that bank by I think um sorry that sounded gross. <laughs> I could uh I could dump a few coins in that okay. bank by uh <laughs> by being a bit more um intentional about uh planning dates. Another goal that I have for us is mm-hmm. I I think that I need to advocate more for myself and setting boundaries and speaking up when something bothers me. Okay. I have a tendency to how do I say this the right way? I can eat a lot of turd sandwiches and just in order to keep the peace, I can be patient with a lot of people and just not say anything because I can be the mature person who uh, just kind of rolls with the with the punches. But what I notice in the past couple of years, and I'm not just focusing on you specifically but just in general i think I, I was building up a lot of resentment that was coming out in some frustration and i realized that's on me i need to advocate for myself and i need to speak up whenever expectations have been violated or boundaries have been crossed and i need to not shy away from having hard conversations um for the sake of avoiding conflict And i think i need to get better at
1: that it's interesting because I would never in a million years say you shy away from hard conversations. (laughs) So I'm interested to see how this is going to manifest. It's going to be a hard year for everyone. Yay. (laughs) Uh, yeah, no, I get that. I mean, the couple of years ago, I, there were some boundaries that I felt like I was letting you cross in time. I felt like you took all the free time because you had so many hobbies and I was at home with kids, and I was losing my mind. And I honestly think starting a career was my way of defending my own time because it put value on my time that was quantifiable. Yeah. So you could see, I'm like, you can't go hunting for an extra week because I have work that makes this money, and I won't be able to do it. And it was fine. It was like I was able to own my time. When when I was a stay at home mom, um, I just don't think you could see that that I needed equal time on that,
0: Absolutely. So when I choose this as a goal to advocate for myself and to speak up and to uh, set and maintain boundaries, I choose it because it's something that if both of us do, it's going to make our relationship better in general. It's not just on my side. It's not me like... I've have this list of grievances that I have against you. It's that if we don't talk about these things, then they build up mm-hmm. and they explode in unhealthy ways. And I don't want that to happen to me. And I definitely don't want it to happen in you too. Mm-hmm. So I expect you, to, or I hope that you would do the same thing oh, as I well. Do. Oh, and if we do so in a productive, healthy way, then we can fix some things and make progress.
1: Yeah. Cool. I think that's a good, that's good. Is
0: yeah. That no, that was me. Okay. Bump. Uh, tell me something else that you learned. What's another realization that you've had in the past couple of years?
1: Well, I would say I didn't have this realization in the last couple of years. I had this realization as a small child and it has grown with me. And this is the, in the last year I have made it real for me. And that is that I've always been very uncomfortable with, People believing that you had to live a certain way to uh, make it comfortable that you're in, uh, how do I say this? That their definition of something, you're living that way. So um,
0: I feel like you're still being a little bit vague. Okay, for, I know, I'm trying to think. So
1: I don't want to get into a lot about what we've been going on with kind of some of our spiritual transitions. Because again that's something that's very personal for me. it's um, a really heartbreaking and lovely experience, but it's very, very raw and and mine and yours and and I've shared that with very few people. But one thing about the religion that we were both raised in that I value very much and um, will always value, the one of the problems I have is that that there was really only one way to live that that uh, faith if you were going to stay in that organization and what I didn't understand was that um, what well what I what I decided to take ownership is is that all the lovely beautiful things of any um, any belief structure you can own in any way you want and I realized that the things that made me uncomfortable about a certain organization, I could actually let those things go and not lose the most beautiful things that I already had. That I could own my spirituality and I didn't need to rely on the vernacular of an, another organization to define it. That all of the amazing spiritual experiences that I've had throughout my life and from a child to to now – Um, separating myself a little more from um, a religious organization doesn't nullify those. It just means that I am able to define them. And, sorry, do you have a question?
0: Well, so I just wanted to make sure that I understood you. Are you saying that you don't like the idea of letting someone else dictate your experience and choose the language to use to define your experience? Well,
1: that, yes, and that because I'm, uh, that... Um, how do I say this? Um
0: I hate to put you in the position of talking about something that you're uncomfortable, but knowing kind of where you want to go with it or having an idea, I feel like it's a good example to work through to highlight what the issues are.
1: Well, I mean, okay.
0: Without being specific, because I think that we will both say, without going into too many details about it, that. We have so much love in our hearts and appreciation for the way that we were raised and for uh, the spiritual value of our, our church. And for a long time, it did a lot of great things and it molded us and it shaped us in very positive and productive ways. And yet at this juncture in our lives, we decided to put some distance between us and it and for specific and good reasons. And some of these reasons are what you're talking about of feeling like they own the rules to tell Uh, sort of define the value of our experience? Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Uh, There was just, okay. I believe very strongly that all of us have something in us that connects us to something eternal. And also that that thing can help us figure out what's good and what's not good. Um, And for a long time, I didn't listen to what I think this part of me was screaming out because I wanted so many things that were good that I would ignore the toxic things. Um, but it got to a point, especially as our kids got older, and I saw them moving into spaces that I had been in, in situations that I had been in, that I couldn't ignore that anymore. And what I really, f- I, what I really felt uncomfortable with was that I think you know, this is kind of really on a tangent, but you know that I've always struggled with the word faith. That's something that for my whole life, I've just been really, that word is really interesting to me because it's a, it's a really beautiful word. It has so much potential for good, but also it can really be used to gaslight people that you believe this stuff, that's great, but you don't believe that stuff. Well, just have faith because you believe this stuff. Well, I'm not a black and white person, and so
0: you're saying if you have questions, show faith and overlook it yeah. and keep on going. Mm-hmm. And, and, oh, you have questions that you can't get over? Oh, maybe you don't have strong faith.
1: Yes, exactly. And I feel like that's very dangerous. And what I realized was that I have complete ownership of my spiritual journey. Complete. I can choose exactly what I want to live. Uh, that's more difficult when you're with a family that maybe doesn't agree, and luckily we've been on really on the same page for a long time. But it it's been such a peaceful thing to say all the things I valued before I value just as much. I'm just getting rid of the toxic stuff, and I think that's what so many people are doing on so many different levels in their life right now is that they realize that they don't have to take the whole package. You don't have to like. When people ask me what my political party is, I'm always like, I don't know how anybody does that. I have so many different thoughts spread out around. Uh, and so you you just need to tell me, what's the what's the policy you're asking? And I'll tell you what I believe on that. But I can't have someone take this definition that makes them feel comfortable and say, you fit in this, because I don't fit in that. And um, But I always had tried in my religion. And I i don't separate myself with anger. I don't separate with, uh, with, I'm so grateful for everything I had because I still have it all. I have everything I ever valued in that religion uh, to, for the most part. I mean, there's obviously we're going to miss our community, but it's not like we're not still friends and it's not like I wouldn't even still worship there if I felt like I wanted to. It's just, um, I just, sometimes you have to take ownership of what is, not doing good in your life and remove it. But so
0: I think circling back and to simplify the lesson, if I may speak for you and you tell me if I'm hearing you right, but you didn't like the idea of other people dictating your spiritual experience.
1: Um, I guess I would say that the main lesson is that I don't feel like I need to be led to a false choice to fit into anyone's definition of anything. Yeah. Um, Everyone has everyone has a definition for something and everyone's is different. And if you're trying to accommodate everyone, you will always fail. I want to have a definition of what it means to be spiritual. I want to have a definition of what it means to be a wife. I want to have a definition of what it means to be an American. And I'm very annoyed with how people have taken basic words of patriotism and labeled them onto an entire structure of belief when it's like, well, what if you believe something slightly different than that? Does that make you less American? And It's
0: almost like a congressional spending bill. It's like <laughs> if you want to support this thing, you have to support all this other stuff that we lump up with uh-huh. it. That if you want to believe in this word, then you have to also believe all these other things. Mm-hmm. And that's why I just can't subscribe to a party that requires me to take everything that they offer and only that thing, and that is also... And it's
1: constantly changing. Yeah. <laughs> like, So what happens if, if it just tears apart... Will we all understand what we what we do believe? And to be honest, most of the people I know who are really involved in politics really do know what they believe. Um, and and that gives me hope. But um, I just, I want to know, I want to know why I believe something uh, on whether it's in a personal relationship. Why do I feel the way, I, why am I with you? Why do I want to be with you? Um, why, am I, why am I attending this religion? Why am I doing anything? Um, I need to know for myself. And I, I don't want to, and I don't want to worry about other people's definitions, um, even if it makes them uncomfortable. Mm. So that was a big, that was, <laughs> Holy moly. Where do we go?
0: Uh, um, what are we here talking about?
1: Okay. Yeah. So, um, all right. I want to hear, I, okay. You mentioned something. Um, I haven't, I don't have your list of, um, of your lessons, but you were kind of mentioning, hold on. Maybe this isn't one of your lessons. I, it was something about monetizing, your passions.
0: Oh, I remember what you're talking about. Um, one of the things that I learned is that I need to do work that matters to me. Like I have to believe in the cause of what I'm doing. And that's just that's just me. And I'm not imposing that on anybody else. And I'm not making judgments to the positive or negative about anything that anybody chooses as a career. I'm just saying that for me, I feel like I need to be involved doing something that Contributes to the greater good of humanity in some way or to the community, or um, it just to be part of something that's bigger than myself. I have to do work that matters, that Mm -hmm. in my mind is important. Um, And so, you you can't just
1: clock your ticket and then.
0: No, uh, like
1: I mean, you would,
0: I would, if I had to, if I had to put food on the, on the table and I have in the past, I've had to put food on the table and I've done things that I don't necessarily enjoy doing, Mm -hmm. but I've done them for the the sake of my family and the people that I I care about. And so, yeah, I'll do that and I'll smile when I do it. But if I have choices, I'm going to choose something that gives me more fulfillment that's more in line with my own personal mission. Um, and I made steps to move in that direction this past year, and it was a very hard thing to change jobs and to, um, and especially leaving a company that I liked and uh, I I love the people that I work with, but I wanted to do something that was a little bit. I felt like I wanted to exercise a choice in doing, uh, picking and choosing what I did, and uh, and it's been awesome so far, and so I think that that was important. But not only that is one of the lessons that came out is that my natural talents like those things that I want to get passionate about and excited I think that they can make money like you like I can monetize them mm-hmm. and I say me but I think that a lot of people that with the right knowledge and skills that you can take a passion and turn it into a profit center mm-hmm. somehow if you want to and uh, and I'm not saying that all ideas are great ideas. Some of them are going to fail and some of them are not mm-hmm. uh, profitable. But in my case, I think that I've got some talents that I can uh, make a dollar with.
1: Yeah, do you ever consider that you have a podcast that's like community-based? Like, do you ever feel any, like for me, I see the benefits because I hear the interactions of what people think. Do you, do you not feel like having a podcast in your community is part of that?
0: I feel like it is in the beginning. And I think that it's getting closer to doing that. I just have to get better at doing it.
1: Better at doing the podcast, yeah, because I mean, I, th- I think you're good at the podcast. It's just what I found is because you're really detached from anything except for the actual production of it, um because it's obviously it's my job that I kind of do. and then you're here because you're just a better podcaster than me, and, and uh, you're kind of you're good at it. I feel like i f- I feel like there's a lot of possible satisfaction from this that maybe, Next year, I would love for you to feel like I feel,
0: oh yeah, and I've had ideas of where the podcast could go or maybe a different podcast could go mm-hmm. uh, that could be in line with that and use you know hopefully I can refine my my talents and add some skills and some knowledge to it to really turn it into a, a strength um yeah, I think that it could be awesome that does a lot of good for people, hopefully, yeah, that's my goal that's awesome, so I guess the lesson that I would share is. Take a look at your talents, and if there's something that you're really good at and something that you're really passionate about, take a look at it and consider it. Is this something that I could turn into a side gig, or turn into or make it bigger and extrapolate it and push it into the community to do some good and to give myself some fulfillment? F- sorry, some fulfillment and satisfaction. Um, ask the ask the question. Yeah. yeah. How's it going? So. I'm
1: excited to watch it happen. Thanks. I think that as long as it's something that one you're passionate about and two that's necessary and helpful. Uh, I've said this on another podcast before, but I, you know, I do some consulting for small businesses, especially brand new small businesses, and it's. I would I would say that just because you have an extreme passion for something doesn't necessarily mean it's going to monetize in the way you want to because, um. It. it it needs to be something that really fills a void.
0: Yeah, there has to be a demand for it.
1: Um, and and so no matter how much you love something, if there's not a demand for it, you either need to pick something new or you need to create the demand for it. And creating demand is a really amazing talent. I've watched people do it. Um, so, uh, but uh, I feel like you know we obviously are in a a different place employment wise, just in the country, something we've not ever seen. But I think a lot of people are kind of trying to take this ownership. We'll see how, how it goes.
0: Yeah. So what's one last lesson that you'd like to, to share?
1: Um, I would say that I noticed I had this cycle towards burnout that was just continuing over and over again. Um, it really started at the, I mean, it's been going on for several years, but it really was into high, uh, relief probably in the last year and a half. But, I would get into these cycles of I would just be working almost manic um, and had so many priorities and so many things that I wanted to do and all of which were very valuable and and important, Um, none of which I I could say I could just let go of. But I was working at them and then I would get to this point where I was starting to feel that I was kind of losing it a little bit and just almost a fight or flight situation and I'd be exhausted and then I would respond. I don't respond by like, going to bed or I, I'm not good at what these people call relaxation. I don't really, I don't do that as well. Um, so then I would kind of do something major, like have a whole weekend. Um, I go to a hotel and just kind of de- try to detox there, but I still ended up working. Um, and what I realized was that, uh, the only person who was going to be able to stop this continue towards per- burnout was me. And that the time to realize that burnout was happening was far beyond far before it was happening and that I could still manage the most important things in my life. I just had to do it very differently and very intentionally. And um, and so that's still a struggle. And that's one that I can't say that I have the answers to. I I've obviously removed quite a few things. I've removed some pressures on myself. I'm still learning what it does, what honestly, the biggest struggle for me, I think, is figuring out how to relax when it's not productive. Um I think this is my Enneagram three, but even when I'm relaxing, I'm producing, and I don't I think that's probably healthy. So I, I'm trying to figure out a way to to pull myself or keep myself from burnout so that uh, because we that's not how we're supposed to live. I mean, there are times in our life that are gonna be really stressful. and we have, some stressful stuff happening in our life that we don't talk about. And those aren't going away. Um, But I'm not going to be able to handle those with love and compassion for people around me or for myself if I'm at a manic state of of total burnout. So that's something I've learned. Um, All right, I want to hear one more of yours. Uh,
0: I would just say that the final one that, uh, a lesson that finally percolated through to the gray matter is, I am in control of my quality of life. And that if I'm not happy with something, then I, I shouldn't blame it on somebody. I shouldn't take on a victim mentality. And I feel like I've gotten a, a lot better at recognizing when I'm feeling like a victim. Um, and to have a new mechanism to turn that into action and ownership and saying, okay, well, what, what can I do to change my situation? If I'm not happy with this thing in my life, at work, with my health, um, with my quality of life, what can I do to change it? and I've gotten a lot better at setting goals and identifying uh, what things I need to set goals around. Um, But it's all to take control of my own quality of life.
1: Did you feel like there's a point where that lesson kind of came to a head, where you felt like you, I guess, something in the last year that really taught you that?
0: Mm, I don't know if there was one specific event that taught me it, but it's definitely been dawning over the course of this phase of my life. Mm -hmm. I feel like the pandemic and the stresses with the pandemic just uh, finally brought it to a head and forced me to take some action on some things. So yeah, but now I'm a lot better at noticing it. Like I notice things in my relationship with my kids. Oh, that's something that frustrates me. Oh, uh, they're not getting things done, or I feel like they're being lazy. All right, well, I can walk around feeling upset at them all the time for being lazy or I can ask myself some better questions. What am I doing that's contributing to this? Is there something that I could be doing better to get better results out of them? Have I taught them? Have I shown them how to do these things? Um, Have I shown them how to properly vacuum or load a dishwasher uh, or manage their time? And if I haven't done those things, then how can I expect them to be great at them? So that's one example of, really questioning myself as opposed to just being upset. So I, I would say that, that that's my final lesson learned.
1: Awesome. All right. Well um, yeah, I think that's a lesson. I'm still slowly learning. Um, but I, I love that, that you are in control. Um, I mean, we're not in control of our situations, but we're in control of how we react to them. And uh, we're in control of, I I like how you said that we are in control of our own happiness, our own satisfaction. Um, And I think that's why we've made just a lot of changes is that um, when you really have to focus on what brings you joy and what brings you um, purpose, things start sloughing away and um, sometimes you add a lot as well. And um,
0: I don't like the idea of being beholden to something else or somebody else to be happy. Mm -hmm. I want to be in control of that. So we've kind of slacked off a little bit on the calls to action. Mm -hmm. Um, But if I were to invite anybody to do something, it would be to sit down, take a look at your life and take an inventory this year. It's a perfect time. It's an excuse as we're setting goals and resolutions for the new year. And ask yourself some questions. How happy are you in these different areas of your life? What are the most important areas of your life? And how happy are you? And do you want to make any specific changes? And if so, make a plan try to learn and capitalize on the things that we've learned over the past couple of years. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I would agree with that is that the last years have been hard. It doesn't look like it's really going to get much easier, but the benefit is the questions that we've been forced to ask and really articulating that ourselves or with someone can, um, I think can, can really bring some light to, to how much we've changed and how much we've progressed and, and, I would say that is one unifying thing that I'm seeing around with my people and, um, and with each other is that real meaningful change is happening for if we want it. And we're, we're giving ourselves more permission to do that.
0: Yeah. Well, good luck to all of us in the new year. I hope that uh, we all get rich and get prosperous and get happy.
1: Yeah. Isn't that what they say like in China?
0: I think that that's like a Chinese thing. Get rich. And then you tell me to get rich. Yeah. Tell me. dude,
1: get rich. I would love it if you got rich.
0: Sweet. You too.
1: Okay. Let's get rich together. Get rich. <laughs> get rich, rich. everybody. I don't know how we're going to do that. We're going to figure it out. Uh, all right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, we'll talk to you guys later. The Boise Bubble Podcast is sponsored by Volkswagen of Boise. Interested in buying a Volkswagen in the Treasure Valley? Head to www.volkswagenofboise.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. This is the Boise Bubble Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave a five star review. Follow us on Instagram at the Boise Bubble. And for more information about our community, follow at Hello Meridian. See you next time.